Today, I am blessed to welcome Everett Smolders to the Beyond the Finish podcast. Everett formerly ran for Ole Miss and is a sub four miler. Although he has graduated and moved on from the sport of track and field, he is still pushing his limits day in and day out. Currently, he works at the Lovett School in Atlanta and is dipping his toes in ultra marathoning. He has also been very successful in triathlon as he has qualified for the Ironman World Championships in Kona and became an Ultraman. Everett reminded me that this podcast is about making connections, and I truly enjoyed this conversation and getting to know a little bit more about him. I left most of this episode unedited so that you guys could get the true behind-the-scenes feel of the conversation that me and Everett had. At the end of the day, we are all people and love talking with one another. I hope you guys can learn just as much as I did from this conversation. Well, I was just saying, yeah. tell me a little bit about yourself, how old you yeah. are, your running career. Oh. Um, I said, tell yeah. me about the podcast. I yeah, mean, the podcast. I, was, I, was, I popped in my head. But um, yeah, essentially, I was, I was super bored when I came back because I don't have school. All my friends are in school. So yeah. I'm working at our local Fleet Feet and uh, just selling shoes. And that's about it. So I was like, let me start something that I enjoy and you're getting something from and build some connections like this. You're getting a taste of adult life early. Yeah, pretty much. I was, I was like, uh, what can I do to, to fill my time and not lay around in bed all day? Yeah, there you go. It's, yeah. it's smart thinking. I've definitely yeah. been on both sides of the spectrum. Totally. It's uh, it's nice to, because I was out in Utah working at a ski lift. And so I'd wake up like 6.30 every day, drive out to the ski resort, get home around 5, go for a jog, hang out with friends and have a full day. And then I got Dude. back. You had, you had a purpose every second of the day. Yeah, no, I got back. I for the first two weeks I was home. I probably slept in until ten every day. Yeah, dude. got up, went to work, came home, ran some days, not other days, and then uh, it's nice for a couple of days. But then after a little bit, you're like, Shh, I gotta quit doing this shit. Yeah, I was like, I gotta gotta do something with my life. Well, good man, I'm rooting you on. Yeah, I appreciate it. I uh, I've been. I just remember seeing like one of your TikToks like way back, and I was like, who is this guy? Because I was like, That's nobody. Nobody in track like, had, like everybody's like, oh, he's too cocky. He won't, oh, yeah. he won't realize where he's on. But I was like, no, that's awesome. Like, that's what you got to do to be great. Yeah, it's exciting. I haven't seen. I've obviously been removed from competing in track and field for almost, I think, a year and a half now. But I don't think I've seen someone who, uh, I don't know, has a similar attitude, uh, and maybe. Cade flat a little bit, oh, but that's the closest I've seen. He's um he's he's not super outrageous right now because unfortunately I think he's been banged up or something. Yeah. But I'd love to see him running really fast and just yeah. flexing across the line, keeping it exciting. There is a guy I saw on Instagram from Denmark. You're talking about Joel Liebler. Yeah. He was yeah. like, Yeah, I think most runners are introverted and yep. then causes for a boring sport which is fine but that's not my personality yeah I, I love watching that kid that yeah because he i mean he owns it too he's just like this is who i am i'm not gonna just run across the finish line and be okay with it i mean after you put yeah. in all that work you gotta do something to celebrate yeah man and you gotta well another thing that was like part of my my thesis and my online persona is like i put my back up against the wall and i would i would say I'm going to go break four or watch out Oregon Ducks, something like that. And then when you get on the on the line, you at least have to, like, do something respectable. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I've also been on the 
on the side of the spectrum where uh, you say you're going to go do something and then it goes completely sideways and it's like start putting on the clown mask and you just got to yeah. live with it. But it's part of the game. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. Yeah. Uh, it's how it goes. But it's definitely – I like seeing people celebrate across the line and back oh, yeah. up what they're saying a lot more than just be like, oh, I'm not feeling too great today. I'm just going to go out there and run. And they I got a uh, American record. It's like, all right. Yeah, exactly. I, I got a race a week from today, the Publix Atlanta Marathon. Um, and I got my celebration already planned out. There you go. You got any goals for it? Just just to win it. There's one thing that kind of pisses me off about the race, and that is that at 7 a.m. the marathon starts, and at the same time they're doing a half marathon. So I'm not gonna know who I'm racing. And then they start they start a second half marathon at 8 a.m. So then it's like it already was bad. Now they're doing a second half marathon during the race. And I, I want to be like in the middle of the race, like with the leaders, knowing what's going on around me. Yeah. But it's going to be just a bunch of like, I don't know, half marathoners running 68 minutes. I'm not going to go run a 216 marathon. So, yeah, I did the uh, Tallahassee half a week ago today. And, um, I think it was like mile three or four, some like random guy that me and I was running with like one of my, a guy that used to work at Fleet Feet. I never worked with him, but he used to work at Fleet Feet and we were just cruising along together and a guy was running the marathon and he came up and he was like telling, he's like, I have no clue who's in the marathon and who's not, but it's a, like, it's a tiny race. So we were like, oh, you're probably good. And he was like, yeah, we got to the the split where half marathon goes right and, and the full goes left. And he's like, there was just nobody to be seen. Yeah. And, but he was, I think he ran like 230. 228 somewhere in there that's and, that's um, my goal apparently it's pretty hilly in atlanta and downtown but um yeah i guess i'm just gonna like scan around me at the start line look at everyone's bibs and if someone yeah. looks like an elite i'm gonna keep my eyes on them there you go that's uh that's very tough but you'll do great i'm sure <laughs> I, I i feel like i have a good sense of like looking at someone and seeing if they're threatening the race or not yeah if they uh if they don't, you can all, you got that eye test, I guess. Yeah. If you're a football player, you got an eye test. So that, that comes over to running every once in a while. Yeah, um, man. I'm excited though. Totally. Good luck with that. But you've done some other crazy races, I guess, like the, like all the ultras and stuff that you've been doing. How'd you get into that? Yeah. So when I graduated college, I was kind of at a, a important decision making point in my life. Like I could keep chasing the track dream or kind of pivot and maybe i don't know go get a highly demanding job or um do ultras try the iron man but like I, the way i saw my future if i was trying to play out the track dream in my head the risk to reward wasn't uh worth it for me like i I wasn't ready to put my life to the side to chase this track dream to where I saw the best situation being like maybe running, I don't know, a 352 or a 353 mile. And nowadays, if you're doing that, you're not even like guaranteed a contract. And I, and I, and I'm always the guy like, Hey, you know, believe in yourself. You know, you can do anything if you put in the work, but you also have to be realistic at a point And, 
I made the decision that my life isn't going to be fully committed to running fast on the track because the life I want to live isn't in line with being a struggle, struggling professional athlete. Um, so I pivoted and I, uh, I started to do these bucket list races. I did a hundred miler just to kind of go on a bit of a vision quest and try and, I don't know, figure something out. I always read David Goggins books and thought, uh, what he learned through his races was super cool. And I wanted to try that out and I did the hundred miler and then I wanted to check the Ironman off the bucket list. So I got a bike and did an Ironman and then uh, qualified for Kona, which was cool. So it was like everything there is to do in the sport I did in a month. So I just like got to check that off the list. And after that, I discovered something called Ultraman. It's like a ultra triathlon. It's like three Ironmans in three days. And I kind of just wanted to get get all that over with, check those off the bucket list and uh, move on to the next thing and did that. I no longer train triathlon. Um, I was just trying to really just finish those. I I qualified for Kona in October, but I'm not going to go because it's like a $10,000 trip. And I'm starting I'm starting to learn kind of the dream that Ironman sells you on and how it's really like a super profitable business. I'm like, dude, I'm not paying $10,000 to fly 14 hours to Hawaii to go ride a bike by a volcano just to say I I, I did Kona. Like, I'm not going to place in the professional division. Anyone who works a 40-hour-a-week job is never going to be a professional triathlete, and that's just the reality. Um, so instead of doing that, I got a, a mountain 100-miler here in Georgia where I can just, you know, drive up in the morning Um, That one will probably take about 24 hours, but that just sounds way more appealing to me than flying to Kona and trying to do a fast Ironman. Obviously, if someone else was paying for it and I could take off work, I would do it in a heartbeat. But um, yeah, I'm just not I'm not willing to take off work and put up that money just to have a like a a good performance at, at world championships by my standards. It, it would it's essentially a vacation um yeah. i so i, I kind of fell in love with ultra marathons and put put a race on my calendar last may which i had the goal of qualifying for the badwater 135 like i've got a really big bucket list of races i want to do and you have to qualify to get into a lot of them and so to qualify for badwater you have to like you have to have done at least three, a hundred milers. You have to have been doing hundred milers for at least like five years or something, all these qualifications, um, just to even be, even be able to turn in an application. Uh, and I didn't have a lot of those cause it was not possible given my year of experience in ultras, but this race, the keys 100, the winner gets an automatic ticket to the Badwater 135. So I went there with huge ambitions, put in a really good training block. Um, was super confident in my ability to get the job done to win and qualify. Saw it in my head a million times. And then I went there and the first 30 miles were perfect. I felt incredible. I was on course record pace. I was certain in my head that I was going to run a course record. And then at like 35 miles, the sun 
the sun came out and it's the Florida Keys in May, so I knew it was going to be hot. But I shit you not, it felt like I was behind a plane engine the whole time. And then everything got super wet. My shoes got waterlogged. Feet got blisters all over them. I completely bonked. Um, it wasn't even like a nutrition error bonk. It was like way too high of an effort way too early on. Um, and at 40 miles, I was like struggling to make forward movement. And I was just like... I think I maybe could finish this in 30 hours, but I, I just had a, it was probably a mentally weak moment, but I, I DNF that at 40 miles. Um, and then I, I don't know what my next race was. I think my next race was in September. I kind of took a break from training for a little bit. I got a new job. Um, and yeah, I'm still, I'm still keeping the dream alive. I'm doing the Publix marathon next week. I'm doing a fun little project over spring break where I'm calling it Project 219. I'm running a 50K every day for a week to be a 219-mile week. Um, that's just because I'm off of work because I work at a school and it's spring break. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. I'm excited to learn about nutrition and recovery and feeding the body and kind of the mental challenge of not just the race is hard, but it's continuously every single day. You got to lace the shoes up and go out for a five hour runabout. Um, so that just sounds like a fun project for me to do. I've got the the course mapped out and everything, and I'm going to bring my phone with me and just stop at gas stations and get Rice crispy Treats and Cliff Bars and Powerades. And then I'm going back to the Keys 100 in May with the same goal in mind that I had last year is to go out and win it. And I, and I've, I gained a lot of experience last year, DNFing, um, hopefully get a, a bad water ticket there, God willing. And then the Georgia jewel 100 in October, it's a mountain race. Uh, these mountain ultras are no joke and they're not, they're not like road running in the slightest. Like I ran, you know, five years in college, on one of the best teams in the country. So I had all that experience. And I just started running with one of my buddies. His name's Mason Newberry. Um, these mountain ultras, we've done two of them together. Uh, and he, he whoops me in them. Like, and he's got no, he's got no running experience. He's just a freaking beast. And what happens to me on the mountains, there's like huge rocks and roots and super technical trails. My legs just get absolutely freaking minced. I'm sure that sounds that sounds rough. I, and, uh, we go up to the North Carolina or Tennessee area like every summer for like a week to train and frozen head state park. Sounds rough. Yeah, man, and it's like the reason I do that is just like so it's a it's a real mental challenge. Way more than way more than anything I've ever had on the road or Ultraman or Ironman. It is like. No joke. Like I, 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 this hundred miler in October, I'm going to be training my ass off for it because it scares the crap out of me. Understandable. Do you train with that guy or just solo? Uh, I do most of my training solo before work. Um, I'll be honest that my training regimen is not like, I'm not in the shape I would be in if I wasn't working 60 hours a week, but since I'm 
working in the office from seven to three and then I'm coaching my team from like three thirty to six. I just I just if I can find the time to get a, a run in, I'll just make it up on the fly. Um there's not a lot of structure there. Uh but yeah, I uh I'm still the same Westfly CEO I always was and I still keep that competitive edge in me, but um I'm sort of running my own race when I go to these races now. And it's less about um, being on a team and and it's still about winning and pushing it to my max, but it's not my sole purpose in life. I'm, I'm just doing it at this point because it's what I enjoy to do. And I had a moment with running where I freaking hated it post-college and I like really didn't want to keep doing it. Um, but now I'm at a point in my life where I, I just do it for the enjoyment of it. I take my dog, go out on jogs. I run with my high school athletes all the time. And yeah, I'm, I'm super happy with, uh, my current athletic career and kind of what my priorities are and what the training is. Totally. That's great. Which, uh, I'm sure it's very, very different from like whenever you're on like the DMR at Ole Miss and Game, oh, uh, dude, it's a, it's a completely different time. ball game. Like, yeah, the the amount of when you're training in the NCAA for me, at least, it was like you're a professional athlete. You eat, sleep, run. Um, you know, people say not to put your identity so much into running because you're more than a runner or whatever. But for me in college, it was if I was running like crap, my life was crap. If I was running great, my life was great. Um, and I would still probably be that way if I was, you know, trying to make it professionally. Totally. Yeah. And are you, you kind of talked about Westfly for a second. Are you still coaching people through that or just kind of focused on the high school athletes that, that you're Yeah. So them? I coach at the Lovett school in Atlanta and I also work there and that's actually where I went to high school. Um, so it's, it's a really awesome. cool, different perspective. And like, I've got, I've got all the school records in the 800, 600 and 3200. And my goal is to have all of those cleared out by the end of this year. Um, the 800 might be a little tough, but someone someone might be able to do it. Uh, and then I have like I have nine private clients on Westfly Academy right now. U.S. number one 800 runner Parker Dewey. He ran 151 in a college meet. Uh, the kid's been killing it. I've been coaching him for three years. I coach two twins, females here in Atlanta that are track runners um, looking to run in college. I coach two twins at Yale who uh, they're really smart kids and they're not on any teams, but they just got into the marathon thing and I'm I'm whooping their butts into shape and they're they're really talented. I coach a 50 year old social studies teacher who uh, just pulls up to road races and um just has a good time and he just wants a little guidance. I coach a 63 year old female triathlete. Um, but I would say the best, my, the, my best coaching expertise is on the track and specifically 1500, 800, 3200 and cross country for high school. That's awesome. That's, that's uh, really cool. Is that mostly like online coaching? You do yeah, it's 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 yeah. all virtual. I have a couple of clients in Atlanta that I get to see in person. Um, so we take advantage of that. But essentially, um, you join the team, you join a group text, you have you build a relationship with me and I provide all the training through an app. 
That's awesome. And then as far as like your running goes, is Jeff Browning still coaching you? Dude, you did you did your research, man. Jeff Browning, he was an awesome coach. I just uh I couldn't I couldn't afford him anymore. And like with my lifestyle, I, well, I, I could afford him. That's not true. But like with my lifestyle, I kind of just wanted to gain as much knowledge from him as I could in like three months and then kind of train myself based off of that. Just I just want to wanted to learn from him. But like I said, like I don't have a lot of structure into my training. I just kind of get it in when I can. Um, but he's he's such a funny guy, such a knowledgeable guy, such a good coach, such a good athlete. Um, that like what I learned in those three months about uh, really nutrition was super super valuable. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. He's definitely a, a great coach. That is the Moab two forty co- course record I was looking at and. Yeah, that's just a a great guy to kind of study under, I'm sure. Um, But 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 if he I'll tell you what is like I was telling you the difference between this mountain running and road running is like if he hopped in a local road marathon, he would get absolutely smoked by everybody. And same with Mike McKnight. He's like the king of 200s. These guys are doing 12, 14, 16 minute miles, but they're doing it for days. Yeah. And it, it, it becomes like it's each race becomes like this puzzle where you try and put all this stuff together. And it's, it's really fun to like try and go execute that. And that's, what's appealing to me. Like if, if you were to tell me Everett, you need to go train for a mile to, um, you know, try and earn some sort of sponsor. Um, that doesn't sound very fun to me right now. I've been there. I've done that. The different I broke four. I'm good. Like the difference between a 354 and a 358 isn't very different to me. Um, maybe, maybe I could make USA's in a perfect world. I'm not, I'm not winning USA's against Hobbs Kessler, Cooper Tier, Cole Hawker. I ain't going to the Olympics and that, and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I've, I've moved on and you know, who knows, maybe one day I will say, let's see what we can do in a mile. Let's see if we can still break four, but my, my f- priority list running is, quite low on it that's awesome yeah more Coaching about is super high you, versus on it, you now and not not worried about the racing other guys and just kind of self-growth and whatnot yeah i mean i'm still the same person i always was though like if i if i get on the line with you let's say i'm gonna tell you get fucking running buddy because you ain't beating me no no 18 year old kid's gonna beat me and i i make shirts for my high schoolers that say i beat coach and not not one of them has gotten them yet and i'm I'm never going to let any of them get that, get that on me. That's good. That's, but, that's but no, I'm, I'm definitely not competing at the same level I was in uh, college. Totally. And um, I mean, so you kind of mentioned like David Goggins, what was it? What was your like first ultra that you did that you were like, wh- how is that mentally uh, kind of so, going through like, your barriers? They're very related. So before I did my first hundred, it wasn't an actual race. I just wanted to go out and run a hundred miles. So I kind of set it up on myself. I did set it up by myself. I did, I set up this 10 mile loop where I could do 10 loops of it and it'd be a hundred miles. And the day before I just listened to the part of his audio book on repeat, where he talks about his experience at the San Diego 24 hour race, where he's, you know, 265 pounds, did a did a crazy lifting session with his Navy SEAL buddy the day before, 
was not in any sort of running shape, showed up with Ritz crackers and a wa- in a plastic water bottle. And I was just listening to that. And I was like, man, I've been running in college for five years. Like if he, if he could do that, I most certainly could. And it's kind of weird to think about David Goggins, the toughest guy alive and, and say, Oh, if he can do that, so can I. But I mean, I had way more stuff in my favor to be able to get it done. He had nothing in his favor to be able to get it done. So I was like, okay, screw it. You know, if he can do it, if his body can do it, my body could probably do it. I'm going to go run until I get stress fractures or I collapse or I run a hundred miles. Sure enough, I ran a hundred miles. Um, I would say the day went pretty perfectly. The only, the only real um, setbacks or like struggles I had was my knees for about the last 30 miles. It felt like they were getting stabbed by a knife. I somehow um, managed to fuel myself well, even though I didn't really know anything about fueling. I was eating like pizza and drinking Sprite, which went pretty well, but I would, I would certainly have a much different strategy for a hundred miler nowadays. And yeah, my, my focus is on competing in hundred milers. Like I'm, and I, I think I can compete pretty high, not with, not with Jim Walmsley and the, those UTMB guys. Cause I don't do it full time. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I could certainly, uh, do some pretty, pretty great things in the ultra world, given my setup, because it's like, way more um how tough are you than how fit are you definitely that plays a way bigger role in racing a mile yeah it's a very don't get me wrong racing a mile is one of the hardest things you can do but it's it's four minutes what you got is what you got and whatever time you put up is is done then 100 miler 200 miler it's you know 24 hours 48 hours you know they just came out with a 317 mile race Oh, wow. Where is that? It's called the uh, Arizona Epic. And so that's on the bucket list. Got lots of bucket lists. Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, And then you kind of talked about nutrition a little bit. What's your favorite nutrition to take in, like, while you're running? Um, Well, the most efficient one is probably Martin and the cleanest Mm -hmm. fuel source. Uh, You've probably seen ketone IQ get pushed by a lot of influencers, uh, which makes it seem like kind of a pyramid scheme or a marketing thing. But I really do believe in the research behind ketones and what the product is. Uh, So I would say I would say, yeah, artificial ketones are my favorite fuel. Nice. And they're uh, kind of expensive. So I I typically don't use them unless I'm racing. Same with Martin products. but also another thing you got to do when you're training for ultras is you have to teach your body how to how to go for three or four hours while running without fuel. Um, and a lot of the Instagram warriors, I like to call them, uh, like they'll go out for their like 13 mile long run on the weekend and they'll take uh, beetroot supplement and then four pills and then the perfect caffeine injection and then ketone IQ. And I'm just like, bro, just go run. Like, yep. you don't got to dial it down to a science like that. There's more important things to focus on, like being a freaking beast than focusing on, do I have all my bells and whistles in a line? Yeah. But I guess to answer your question right now, it would be Rice Krispie Treats. There you go. That's a, that's a solid answer. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, if you think about the, uh, 
the science behind it, carbs are your energy source, and that's just a tasty little brick of carbs. There you go. Get it in however you can. Yeah. Uh, I, I did see, I don't know if it was Strava or Instagram, but you ran like 140 miles in eight days with a sub three marathon and a 50K in it. What were you taking? Yeah. Were you just kind of going out and running or how are you? Yeah, that's when that? I didn't have a job. I was just going out, putting the miles in. Uh, I don't remember what I ate, but that was honestly like a pretty casual training week compared to what I would do in college. The yeah, intensity is way dialed back. Like a, a sub three hour marathon is, is not a, uh, a high effort for me. Totally. I, I mean, I'd like to do, I'd like to do a project if I could like get the financial backing or support from some company where I would like run a marathon every single day for a year. That would be, uh, there's a guy in Tallahassee that, uh, I can't think of his name, but he's in like our, our local run club, uh, like running group. And, uh, he did it. He did a marathon every day for, uh, it was at least a couple months. It might've been over a year, but yeah. he, he did it for like the Marines or something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but that's a pretty cool project to work on. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I think the. I don't know if the standard is the right word, but the perception of the difficulty of a marathon is like you got to train for 12 to 16 weeks for it. Um, it's this big thing. It's this huge challenge. Whereas if you kind of dumb it down and say to yourself, I'm just going to go run for three hours and don't make it a big deal. And like if I was going to do a marathon every single day for a year, it's just okay, just go out and run for four hours every day. It's, it's, it's not a big deal. Your body can go a lot further than people think it can. Like, and I think that's part of the reason why running is taking off as a sport right now is like, people are seeing what's possible. I guarantee you, I I was going to make a Westfly post about this, but like, it's going to, it's going to be like running hot takes for a year from now, guarantee for for a decade from now, I guarantee you in a decade, there's going to be like, 20 15 plus high schoolers in a year breaking four oh, yeah. and the, the, the going up every year the new sub four is going to be sub 350 yeah and the the ultra marathon streak world record was set this year it was like 211 days this this girl did a 50k every single day i mean someone could go 500 yep <laughs> It's just whether or not they have the resources. Mental to capacity, so. resources. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's kind of like what you said for your first first hundred. Uh, you just kind of went out and did it. Yeah. You know, that's, I guess that's the what you got to take the attitude for most things. Honestly, in, in life in general, just kind of. I think I know I can do it. I just got to do it. Yeah, I think like Cocodona two fifty or Moab. Those are both bucket list races. Like. You can only train so much for a 250 mile race and get your fitness so good. But I think at a certain point, you just got to rip the bandaid off and say, screw it and go get that experience of having the race rather than having the experience of practicing. Totally. I think, uh, I think his name is Brock. He does the daily mile videos on like Instagram and YouTube. Yeah, where does he go to school? I was actually look, going through his I, account today. I've been trying to figure that out. Honestly, I'm not 100% sure because uh, I've been I've only been following him for a couple of weeks, but one of the first videos I saw from him was like 
you can only like practice so much at some point. Like your plan's never gonna be perfect. You just have to do it at some point. I was like, that makes so much sense. Like you can plan all you want. It's never gonna your plan's never gonna go how you, exactly how you want. Like if you're racing a mile, you're probably gonna get boxed in at some point. You just gotta get in there and do it. Yeah, don't think about it. Just do it. Yeah. There's there's so many people online nowadays. It's like you have to find a way to filter out the bullshit from the real valuable information like what he's saying is a good great great piece of advice to um implement into your own life but there's so many people out there like the the eight minute mile pace joggers who have all the supplements and everything it's like no that's not what you need to be doing yeah just just experience it yep you gotta you gotta throw yourself in the fire sometimes and just figure it out as you go that guy that guy makes some awesome videos though yeah, I, I like a week or two ago, he saw I saw he like broke his camera and he was like, I'm trying to figure out how to just do it with my phone. I was like, that's better than anything I would have done. So that's pretty yeah. sick. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's like people people want to start a business and they want to they want everything to be perfect and they want thousands of dollars in, of investors. But all they need is an iPhone and they're just too scared to actually do it. Yeah, and I mean, you're, you're right here in your bedroom doing a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> working like on working on getting it. So. You're not going to have hundred thousand followers like the running effect until many years down the road yeah and that's a that's what i kind of came into this with i was talking to a couple friends i was like i don't really care if if nobody listens it's just something to do and it'll grow it grow as time comes so how the joe rogan podcast started you just have to and i and i'm i'm in a similar boat right now like with the coaching thing is like things take time and you gotta be you gotta be able to see it through all the way because what most people do is they don't see the results in three months, six months, a year, and they move on to the next thing. But if you can just stay in the same place and continue to get better and evolve, those are the winners. Yep. You got to enjoy the process and take it all in and just do the work. I don't, yeah. I don't even know what the audience is here, but that, that reminds me of another point like related to coaching is, there's so many uh, like post NCAA athletes who start a coaching business. And most of the time, I feel like it's just a cash grab. And like they don't actually want to be coaches. They just want to use their name, image and likeness to make money. Um, and then what happens is they realize, well, a getting clients and retaining them is is pretty hard. Like if, if Cole Hawker started a coaching business, he'd be fine. So like, I was able to use the Westfly platform to kind of give me a head start there. Um, but they realize it's hard to get clients. They don't get results immediately. Um, you know, if the, if the kid's not getting better, he's like, well, why, what, what's wrong? Why am I paying you? All this yeah. money? Why am I, yeah. why am I paying you? Um, so yeah, you just gotta be able to provide value, but watch out for those cash grab coaches. Totally. I mean, it's it's kind of like a any other job. You're not going to go into like a high level job with a resume that has your high school experience on it and be like, oh, this is the job I want. You're going to you're going to go through those jobs that give you the experience and then eventually get to that high level job. So I feel like yeah. it's just, you just when, I, when I look at I don't know if you're familiar with these um, teams or coaches or businesses, whatever you want to call them, like run CCG, mm-hmm. uh, run Thompson training and running lane. It's a group out of Huntsville like. Those three people have built incredible businesses and it's taken 
several, several, several years. Jacob Thompson, he crushed it like right into the game. And like now the kids he's coaching are all running really fast. But like run CCG's been around they since like every day, pretty school. much. Huh? They they do the work. I see their I see a post on Instagram from them almost every oh, yeah. day. They're just getting out there and grinding and oh, growing yeah. their business. And that's that's what it takes. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to post more media of um my athletes, but I don't know. My my entire page, Westfly Athletics, isn't strictly for the coaching, although I try to use that as a funnel. Maybe I need to niche down and uh, start doing that. But, I mean, Westfly to me right now is basically a meme page where I post what I think is funny. Um, I get a lot of enjoyment out of that. I don't, I don't really try to make money off of it. Uh, I am interested in uh, coming out with a legitimate clothing line um, but I want to get an investor behind that. Totally. Yeah. I, that would be, that would I'm sick. not exactly running the risk. Um, so that that's going to be building up a big business plan. I've got a few samples here. Um, but yeah, Westfly Athletics is more than just a, a coaching service. I always, I always laugh whenever I see the Westfly comments. They, uh, they come yeah, in. dude. It's, it's like, it's some top level trolling at the bottom of it is what it is. Like some people can understand the sarcasm in the, the news reports or the memes or the captions. Um, and then we just like kind of feed off of it each with each other. Yeah. Like someone commented on the McCluffy post. It was like, I don't give a crap if he's doping 485 is legit. <laughs> Yep. And that stuff just always makes me crack up. It also makes me crack up when it goes viral. Yeah, that's that's the best. Like, you're just throwing it out there for a joke, and and now everybody's taking it. Exactly. exactly and like, there was there was a time when I graduated college where I was like, I don't know what the crap to do with this thing. I'm I'm no like, I can't talk smack to Ten Man Elite because I'm no longer running. Like, who was the last person laughing there? Um, I just kind of felt and like anytime I would try to make content of myself or my running, I would just kind of feel like a loser. Yeah. So, so I was like, what am I even doing here? And, and what I did on it was I just went ghost on it for like six months, maybe until I finally was like, all right, guys, I'm back. I'm ready. I've, I've got my bearings under me. This is what we're doing now. I know who to attack now. Exactly. I, know what to do. I don't attack anybody. There you I've go. grown up. I've grown up a little bit with my uh, my lifestyle. There you go. Uh, so I you... get I get a DM every other day from someone. It's like, where did all the Westfly videos go? Where are they? I ha I had to take them all down and go private on social media because the school I work at has a social media policy. So like, they don't want someone working in the athletics office to be an an influencer. Which job might be a, a little bit more important than trolling trolling too much online yeah exactly yep um are you uh are you still big into lifting recently i, I know uh, there's always those arm farm videos at Ole miss but how's that going now yeah no i just do a bunch of push-ups and i do squats on wednesdays when my uh my kids are in the weight room um the thing with me right now is like really time management and if you if you care about something a lot obviously you can make time for it, but lifting is pretty far down on the priority list for, 
for training for a marathon. So yeah, squats once a week is what I'm doing. There you go. Um, and listen, I, mean, I don't really have much much else for you, um, but it's been a good conversation so so far. Uh, it has been a good conversation. Um, so, what is your business strategy with the podcast? If you even have one, or are you just you just talking with people, making episodes? That yeah, I'm honestly just throwing it out there, making connections. I wouldn't either like any other way. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. I, I've DM'd about 200 people on Instagram, just seeing who bites and going from there let's go you do you got anyone else lined up you're excited about yeah um here let me flip my journal real quick so um well i'm i don't know if you know patrick coon but i'm really good friends with him yeah i I was just looking through your page before this and i saw you is that patrick coon fan page is that yours (laughs) yeah that's my our uh, sophomore year i was like I, i think i was in the car with him and his mom or something i was like i'm gonna make patrick a fan page and then uh we were just kind of joking around. I was like, I'm like, I'll actually make it. So I made it. And then I like posted consistently on it for a little bit, but I was like, I don't have much content for this. So every once in a while I'll hop on there, but yeah, yeah man, when uh, he, when he makes it to the NCAA finals, you gotta, you gotta bring it back to life. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll be like, I was, I was there first. Uh, I actually, I actually thought the, uh, the page was pretty sweet. It was like why we love Patrick. <laughs> yeah. I was, um, uh, I think it says like if you or why do we love Patrick? It's like all his PRs and fourteen forty five k number one in Florida history. Yep. Yeah. I was like, I, I gotta gotta show some love to the boy. Um, so he should be hopping on soon. And then uh, Daniel Scandera just run, run like you're talking about running lane. Uh, he run cross country championships with them. And then uh, let's let's check this out. Katie Snowden, she runs under for Under Armour. She's out of London, I believe. Pretty excited for that one. And then um, just a, a couple other other ones that haven't been uh, necessarily set in stone yet, but working on for sure, trying to get some some big names and all that. But I was uh, I was super excited for that Jan episode. I have been following him for a while. Uh, Dude, I love Jan. He's only a couple just... hours away, so. He's just a freaking great energy, great person. I mean, that's just what we were talking about, throwing yourself in the fire. That was that was our yeah. whole episode. Yeah, and that's why everyone loves him and supports him is because he's yep. been throwing himself in the fire since he was 16. Yeah, definitely. He's uh, He's been a uh, – he was a good one, learned a lot from that one, and then just kind of plugging along, seeing what comes next, doing this and uh, seeing where it goes. Where are you posting the uh, podcast? So – the I, at first it was just Spotify, um, but I did uh, two days ago, three days ago. I got it on Apple Podcasts as well, so that's where I, it's at so far. And how about not on Instagram? Uh, I haven't posted anything like on Instagram. Like I, I've been posting as far as like content goes. I'm trying like my goal right now is to post for the next month straight. Um, so every day. Yeah, it's been uh, three or four days that I've got that. So I haven't posted any like clips or anything, but. I've uh, trying to been posted, like put something out there every day. I'm sure you follow the running effect, right? Yeah, I do. He's uh, he's pretty much who I kind of modeled all this yep. after. I was going to say, you should just model after him, take quotes from people, tell yep. stories. Like if, if there's mill rows coming up, get someone that might be racing on the calendar, grab a quote from them, make a graphic on Canva. Do you use Canva? I do. Yeah, I have uh, so far every episode, I'll like, 
get a, a quote from the episode and just go on Canva, type it up, something pretty quick, but try to make it look as good as possible and throw it out there. Yep, same here. Canva was a game changer for me. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, uh, it makes it really easy. Yeah, and then and then I guess the other thing you could do, which would you could maybe use AI to make it more efficient. I would think this would be pretty time consuming, but maybe you have time would be to chop up the clips and make like reels. Yeah, that's what that's my like next step. Uh, so actually, like some of my coworkers just started a podcast, um, kind of talking about like mental game and and whatnot, and and uh, like how we can change our thinking to like better performance. And one of them's a like a photographer and videographer and whatnot. So uh, she has all that kind of stuff and has been posting Rio. So I'm trying to hopefully that's my next step and kind of learn from her a little bit, make sure I do it right and and get it out there. Awesome, dude. Well, I'm honored to be your fourth guest ever on what's the name of the podcast? Beyond the Finish. Beyond the Finish. Yeah. How I, you and I guess I didn't really throw this in there when we got Instagram, but we do have an Insta- like a dedicated Instagram for it's uh, underscore. Yeah, beyond the finish. Okay. Yeah, I think I thought I saw you come through on that. Yes, sir. But yeah, I, I do appreciate that the time taken out of your day. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm excited to see you grow this thing and you know. Like we just like we talked about, keep throwing yourself in the fire. Um, take some balls to start a podcast. Totally, it's uh, um, it's been fun so far. So I'm looking forward to to growing right. it. That's the best way to set yourself up for success is to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, loving the process. Awesome, dude. Well, next yeah. time we talk on here, I imagine you'll have a neon sign in the background <laughs> of your studio with the professional microphone and five yep. different professional cameras. Hey, you're you're always welcome back. Come on anytime. All right, man. We'll do yeah. it in person next time. Perfect. I'll uh I'll hit you up if I'm ever in Atlanta. Awesome. See you, dude. I'll let you know yeah. if I'm in Tallahassee. Sounds good. Have a have a good week. You too. See ya. Bye. I am beyond grateful for Everett taking a little bit of time out of his day to let me pick his brain and learn so much. As he continues to do great things, I wish him the best and will always be thankful for the connection that I have gained from this episode. If you haven't already, throw us a follow on Instagram at underscore beyond the finish and continue to follow along on Spotify or Apple Podcast for great episodes just like this one.